you can unlock more cash than you realize from your home's equity with a cash out refinance today. In the last year, average home values have gone up nearly 20%. And with Rocket Mortgage, you can unlock thousands in less than three weeks. But you've got to act right now before rates go up. So when you're looking to unlock the cash in your home, Rocket can. Call 8338-ROCKET today or go to rocketmortgage.com to get started. Rocket. Rates current as a 12-12-21. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states. Anomalous consumer access. Number 3030. Call 800 for disclosures and cost information. With great mojo comes great responsibility. Mojo Five O. Mojo Five O. We will make America great again. Sam Sorbo. Welcome to the Sam Sorbo Show. I'm your host, Sam Sorbo, here on Mojo50.com and elsewhere, wherever you're listening to this podcast, of course. Hey, so uh, reading and math scores have collapsed. This is according to a new study and uh, something that, of course, I predicted uh, starting a while ago. We'll get into that. Also, we're going to break down the HEROES Act that the House just passed and uh, uh, campus therapy culture. There's a whole culture now. Did you know that? So we'll we'll talk about that. But before we do, my guest, my return guest, actually, is Dr. Stephen Hotze. He's an immunolo- He's he's an immunologist. He talks about uh, Dr. Fauci or Dr. Falsi, uh, and uh, and he's got an MD. So he's an expert. So we have to listen to everything he says, right, Doctor? <laughs> well. It's good to listen and then uh, do your own research. But I've done a lot of research, and I think what we'll talk about today will make sense to your listeners. So there's a new article out that I wanted to chat with you about by, um, I think it's Daniel Horowitz. It mm-hmm. just came out. Uh, uh, let's see. And he says, he says um, dang it, I had it right here. Basically, we've been lied to. Have you right. seen this? I haven't seen the article, and he says we've been lied to about... About coronavirus. There are six facts that change everything we know about the SARS-CoV virus. And um, for some reason, it's gotten jumbled here. But but he says uh, the COVID virus death numbers have been inflated. We saw that with uh, last this past uh, week or weekend. Colorado just revised its death count down by 23%. And you've got Dr. Burke saying, I, I don't trust what the CDC is actually reporting. She thinks that the CDC could be off by 25%. But she was the one who said, hey, whatever it is, if if there's COVID involved anywhere, just mark it down as a COVID death. Just mark it as COVID. That's right. And that's what they've done. Uh, Sam, uh, we're here in Texas. And so far in Texas, we've had... 1,300 deaths, most of which, or a majority of which have been in nursing homes, as is pretty much the case across the country. <laughs> Compare that, we have 30 million people in Texas, 1,300 deaths. They have 20 million people in New York, and they have 27,000 deaths. That's a factor of 50, 50 times the death rate in New York as in Texas. Now, uh, so I looked at all the states. New York is such an outlier. It's so off the chart with these huge numbers. You've got to ask yourself, are these really true numbers that they've given us in New York? You know, Cuomo been on TV crying and weeping, and this is coming to your city and what we have here. And then, of course, in talking with people that live in New York, 
and seeing some videos about New York hospitals and looking at the boat, you know, I had a big ship there, I think Hope, and they had the Javits Center was a, you know, had 900 bed hospital. And then the Billy Graham campaign put one in Central Park. And effectively, nobody showed up for those uh, <laughs> Javits Center in Central Park or the Hope Ship. Effectively, nobody. You know, maybe total a few hundred ended up being there. And in these in, in the um, hospitals, uh, you know, you, they'd walk around and show pictures and nobody would be in the emergency room because nobody was getting lined up. And we were hearing, you know, Como on TV saying how terrible things were. And then I look at these numbers and I've got to ask myself, how did they come up with these numbers? How could they be so totally off the chart? Well, okay. Unless, somebody, unless somebody's cooking the books in New York. Well, and you said, hold on. Well, let's talk about that for just a minute. And, and I agree with you because there were the, the, the ship and the Javits Center and the Central Park. And in fact, I know uh, that the Mercy that was, um, that went up to it was deployed to Los Angeles. They treated seventy-seven patients in seven weeks. So, so clearly there's a misfire here. There's you know, but at the same time, let's go back to early days and De Blasio telling uh, nursing homes that they had to accept COVID patients and nursing I homes. Think was, I think that was Cuomo. Okay, Cuomo. Yeah. They they that's the most. Uh, they they are the right. They are the 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 population that is most susceptible. So that could have something to do with their numbers. Also, let's face it, New York is packed in. They're packed in like sardines. And but in fact, I, I talked compare that to LA, compare it to Chicago. I mean, which have significant density as well. It's just off the chart. It's just too far. I could see, you know, a factor of 10. Okay. Maybe we could accept a factor of 50. It's just way off the chart. So you're doubting the statistic just flat doubting, out? Doubting. Doubt, no, I don't believe the statistics because common sense tells you, but you know, you look at the bell-shaped curve. It's, it's, uh, the, you look at every state and put everybody in a bell-shaped curve, and New York is so far off the end of the curve, you, it, you would throw it out in a study. It, couldn't be, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a good study if you have any – it's an, such an outlier. So you just got to wonder about that. And remember, New York City and New York State have significant financial problems. And they've got friends in the Congress, obviously. And so this bill that um, that Pelosi is going to pass contains trillions of dollars. It was a $3 trillion bill. A ton of money was going towards New York City and New York because they had such a hard time with the coronavirus. We need to give them this money. That money's going to help bail them out of their financial problems. That's what they were trying to do, in my opinion, create sympathy. So we need the money. Now, look at all what a terrible time we've had. And, you know, that's just the way that's the way you the socialists operate. Yeah, and, it, and it, it's, it's so frightening because it's sort of like um, – how do you so you so you have there's a druggie right and he needs money and he gives you a sob story about how his mother died when he was a child right. and yeah. this whole sort of sob story and you feel really bad for him and you you're you're not convinced that he needs the the money for drugs you just understand that he's in a bad way so you give him the money and then you find out that his mom just lives down the street from you right. you know like that this that the story was phony. And, of course, that's the concern now. So uh, so Horowitz goes on. He says states with longer lockdowns had worse results. And he right. and he sources that. OK, uh, he talks about the the um, uh, the collateral damage of the covid lockdown. 
on people and the deaths that are resulting from just the lockdown, but not the virus. He says outside nursing homes, the fatality rate never warranted such action, even if it could work. And of course, he questions that it could work. And now I've seen this. I've I've seen something about that this lockdown procedure and social distancing procedure was developed by a high school student and adopted uh, because it just sounds and and you know it's so draconian. I mean, you've got people giving videos showing them walking around with a broom to show the six foot distancing. These people are strange. It's just. Let me make a comment about the social distancing. Look, from the get-go, Sam, I've said this thing was a scam from the get-go. It's been the biggest fraud perpetrated upon the American public. And the American public bought it hook, line, and sinker. The reason they did is because they created fear. And fear, when people operate from fear, they don't use common sense. And so they bought into this deal. I can just put all my confidence in the government, and they're going to save me, and and I'm not going to die. I really think it's a fear of death. Is what people have, and that's why they, that's why they reacted so, in such a crazy manner to this. But let's go to social distancing. You know, the, the virus particle is nano-sized. What does that mean? It is infinitesimally small. So if you put on a mask, that that virus is transmitted to out of out of a person's mouth and into a mouth through the mask and around the mask. The mask doesn't prevent the virus from getting in or going out. It just doesn't. That's just a fact. And as a matter of fact, the World Health Organization and Fauci both, and I've got them on record because I did a commercial saying don't wear a mask, and I've got Fauci as my backup saying it's a stupid or you don't need to wear a mask. I've that got helps. that clip. That's right. We've played it. I mean, so he said so. So, so the masks don't work, and what that does is create fear. You notice for two months nobody was really promoting that, and then all of a sudden they were going to come. To, people were talking about getting rid of the lockdown and all of a sudden the democratic and socialist uh, leaders in the various counties and states across the country say you got to wear a mask as a matter of fact here in houston our county judge and about socialist had an order you had to have masks everybody had to wear masks starting april 1st for 30 days i'm sorry may 1st for 30 days you had to wear a mask in public or in work and I sued her, of course, and then she capitulated uh, on that Friday. So nobody's wearing masks to speak up here in Houston, not being fined for it. But the social distancing, that, that virus is a nanoparticle. When it gets in the air, it floats everywhere. It's everywhere. That virus is everywhere in the country. It gets up in the air, air conditioner vents, and it circulates throughout a house, throughout a, throughout a building. And you know what? So what? This virus is a de minimis virus. For the vast majority of people in Texas, it has only infected one in a thousand people. One in a thousand. Okay, and but you can't for- use big words like that. De minimis. <laughs> de minimis means that sounds like it's Latin. Trivial. It's, it is. It is Latin. <laughs> it's trivial, and people don't want to believe that this is a this particular. But kids aren't anybody under fifty. Chance of dying of it are slim and none, and slim left the station. And anybody that gets it. And our experience has been two people I know that have that have had it, had a uh, a fever and a cough, and these were people in their mid thirties and one in their mid fifties had a fever and a cough, lasted four or five days. That was it, and it was much like they had the flu. But so, but hold on, there are people dying from it, sir, ma'am. People die every day of everything. It's the minimus cause of death. Okay, Think but don't it. call me, ma'am. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That'll make you mad, ma'am. 
<laughs> it de minimizes me. <laughs> that's, that's a Texas thing. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. That's what we do in Texas. But it's anyway. true. So how many? So you say you've lost eighteen hundred people, or eighteen hundred in the state of Texas? No, thirteen hundred. Thirteen hundred. How many people have died of car crashes? Ma'am, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sir. <laughs> Listen, uh, every year, every year, well, in Texas, every day, 10 people on an average died in 2019 in a car, car wreck. Well, then we 10. should make cars wear masks. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Or why don't we just not drive cars because we really don't want people to die. I saw it, somebody, it, uh, exactly. I saw, and, and no planes, trains, or automobiles because um, that's the Green New Deal. I saw somebody show how to make a mask. You take a, you, can, you take a sock and you cut off the top part of the sock so you have that tube part. And then you, right. cut, it down the, you cut it down the side so that you, you lay it flat. Then you, uh, and then you fold it in half lengthwise and make two cuts. And then when you open it up, you've got the two little things that go around the ears. A sock is not going to prevent you from getting a virus. It doesn't. There's, it just doesn't do that. And so the people that wear that, what it is, is it's kind of like Linus in his little blanket with Charlie Brown. That's what it is. It's a security symbol. No, it's but more it than has, that. I'll tell you something. It's more than that. Because you mentioned you think people are afraid of dying. No. Uh, uh First of all, okay, I don't mean to contradict you because, of course, you're right. There are people who are afraid of dying, but there are also the people who are afraid of the ostracization, right? right? So they're afraid of judgment. And why? Because they're so damn judgmental themselves. How about that? Well, they're projecting, in other words. Yes. And so and so they, if you don't wear a mask, I'm afraid. You're a You're bad, bad person, right? And so I'm going to ostracize you. People to die, and we don't wear masks, right? When, and it, we, when it's it, when it's totally and the masks are totally ineffective. And the World Health Organization even put out, which I don't believe in. It's a it's a bad organization, but they put out a big deal on April on April second. It was reported they said it, it shouldn't work. You don't need masks. It doesn't help people that are healthy. So that and the social distancing, the particles flow flow everywhere. You're not going to do that. Look, <clears throat> I believe in building up your immune system. The way the immune system has been built up, it's exposed to germs all our lives. <clears throat> we are exposed to trillions and trillions of germs every day, viruses and bacteria. Your body's full of your body. Inside your body, you're full of germs. You got four pounds of, uh, of if you weigh 200 pounds, they say approximately four pounds of bacteria in your colon. We've got germs in our mouth all over. You may not know it. All over your body, you're covered with, with a bacteria called Staphylococcus epidermis. And it protects us from Staphylococcus aureus, which, is, which causes boils and significant infections. But we're all exposed to this all our lives. Why are we still alive? Because we have an immune system that destroys bacteria and viruses. And, and that's why we're alive. So this virus comes along. If you have a healthy immune system... Your immune system just whacks it, and it's gone. It doesn't bother you at all. If you're if you're if you're elderly, infirm, debilitated, have these pre-existing conditions, of course your immune system is going to be compromised. Of course you're going to be prone to be to to get uh, infected infectious diseases. That's how people die in nursing homes. People go to nursing homes because they're no longer in good enough health. The family can't take care of them at home. It's your last stop. 
nursing homes are hospice light. That's where people go and they spend the last years of their life in a nursing home. And on an average, two and a half years, the average stay in a nursing home is less than two and a half years. So we're surprised that people are dying at nursing homes. Why should we be surprised? They die at nursing homes every day, right. all all year long, and that's the circle of life. And we just got to accept that. Now, I'm not saying we should be cavalier about it, but it's just it, it shouldn't be it shouldn't shock us. But nobody thinks about and, it. And and the nobody thing is, th- what is going to take out an old person? It's it's not going to be paragliding. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, like I mean, they die of they die of a disease or with a disease. So say right. COVID comes along and in they've fact, got heart failure and they've got lung problems exactly. and all that. It's the straw that breaks the camel's that's back. That's right. They've already sort of taken a step in that direction. And it's like, here's the thing. You know that prostate cancer is yeah. one of the most prevalent cancers. But it doesn't. But it doesn't necessarily kill you. And so there are a lot of men who die who have prostate cancer. But that's not what killed them. That's exactly. As a matter of fact, just to give you a statistic, eighty percent of men eighty year old will have prostate cancer in situ in the in the prostate. But they don't die of prostate cancer. And they also you don't know? treat it because it's sort they of like a, alone, at that point, so. slow growing cancer. I'm old. I'm old enough. Although I did have um, my mother-in-law went to the doctor and the doctor said, yeah, you've got cataracts, but you probably won't live long enough for them to be a problem. <laughs> I'm like, that's, Thank you, sir. that's some bedside <laughs> manner. Hey, so you said one thing. I want to get this clear before we go. You said the masks don't do anything, but they, they do something, right? Let's clarify for everybody. We're not saying well, that masks, because medical it, it personnel stops, wear masks. It stops saliva from, you know, if you sneeze, it stops saliva from being blown on you. I mean, it does that. But you know what? I'm at the point, I don't sneeze on me. I don't care. Hug me. Shake my head. I really don't care. I've got a good immune system. I'm not fearful of a virus that doesn't really affect healthy people. Healthy people don't get sick. But that's why... Medical personnel wear the masks to protect the people that they're treating, correct? No, because they don't, the people they're treating already have the disease. They're, they're trying to protect themselves from getting the disease. That's why they wear the masks. The people already have the disease. So then. I, look, I okay. spent, Leah, I, look, I spent 44 years practicing medicine. I spent about six years in emergency rooms. I saw everybody that, that had. Viral meningitis, bacterial meningitis, viral bacterial pneumonia, viral bacterial dysentery, flus, staph infections, you know, skin lesions all over their body that were infected, balls, all that. I never wore a mask on. I never, you know, I saw these patients day in and day out, year in and year out. I came home. I didn't quarantine. My family didn't get sick. Why? I have an immune system. Why is this one little bug, this bug all of a sudden has got everybody terrified? Because the media created this. And the and the bureaucrats, the government health bureaucrats created because now they're in the limelight. They get to tell people what to do, what to right. wear, where they have to go. I mean, it's a power grab for these people. And but you talked earlier, and I want to point this out. And you made a great point about the collateral damage. Look, so because a few uh, a few percent of people, a few amount of people die in nursing homes and people that have pre-existing conditions, and. And nationwide, you can look at statistics. Um, I, I look at the CDC statistics. As of yesterday, it was 62,000. It wasn't 87,000. That's if you combine it with pneumonia, you have 87,000 people that have died. On the CDC, pure COVID, they say it's 62 or 65,000. That's it, as of yesterday. 
So you've got that many people. You have 2.8 million people dying every year. So it's a cause of death. It's a trivial cause of death in, in uh, all things being considered. You talk about heart disease and cancer and, and uh, alcohol-related diseases. Well, you lock everybody. So we're going to lock down the whole country, and we're going to destroy 40 million jobs. Poor people don't do well. When people don't have money, they're not, they don't get healthier. They get sicker. We know countries that are poor have unhealthy people in it. That's just the way it goes. So we, we talk about years lost. Well, if somebody dies at 81, they've really outlived their lifespan, according to statistically they have. If somebody loses their job at 25 or they're not able to go to school, they don't have the money to do it, their life could be lost for 50 years, not in a sense that they're dead, but they don't have the advantage and the and and all the yes. all the advantages that Americans have. All the repercussions downstream. Yeah, and it, and and that's harmful. And nobody counts that. Well, well, Fauci goes, well, that's not my job. I'm just a I'm a you know I'm a doctor and I just uh, look at uh, public health and that's all I'm looking at. I don't look at the economic consequences. Well. Economic consequences have adver- when the when the economic consequences are adverse, it causes adverse effects in people's lives. Right. Their their health, their mental health, their physical health, their family health. Look at the rise. You know the increase in suicides, increase in family abuses. Um, you know. Well, not only that, they they're talking now about all the and 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 it's substantial the number of people who didn't go to the hospital, didn't seek medical attention. All those people that had other health problems. Right. So the the cancer that's gone undiagnosed for four weeks and 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 now is, you know, more of a lost cause than it would have right. been if it had been, you know, or the or the heart the heart attacks or the right. you know there's all the strokes and all the all those all the other or you know, the diabetes that went untreated. Right. You go down the list and you've got a whole lot of health problems that were never addressed because they never, wouldn't come to the hospital. Never consider, and, and my problem has always been since the very beginning, consider the costs. They never considered the cost. They just said, let's mitigate this risk. Let's, right? So we're going to mitigate the coronavirus risk, but we're, they never examined what the cost of that might be further so down the right. road. Cost, risk, benefit, and they didn't, um, which is the collateral damage. Now, that is a key point that they no, they still miss. I mean, they, they still don't think about that. In our state, I mean, we still got Texas, even though people might think Texas is great and we love the state, our governor <coughs> unconstitutionally, he violated the Constitution, shut down all the businesses, shut down church services. Now he's slowly, he, of his own, he's dictating and mandating they're coming back at a slow rate. He opened them up as of this Friday to 50% uh, occupancy. Well, these people have been, look, they've been out of work for, uh, they've been closed down many businesses for two months. They'll never come back. They've lost you their lose, business. You lose and two months created, of a 12-month year, you're done. That's and, that's your profit margin right there, well, if you're is, lucky, it, right? And, and most people in small businesses, they're, they're not operating with a year's supply of capital. They've exactly. got two weeks. They're exactly. living hand to mouth, basically. Yeah. They've got a good business. Now what's going to happen? We've created a, 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 a wounded psyche in America. We've got a, we're going to create millions of germaphobes who aren't going to go back out into the public. They're not going to go there. They're not going to go to restaurants. They're concerned. They're not going to go to church. They're not going to go to events right. where people are because they're scared. Because they, they yeah. 
there's been some, there's a suppression and and it's a it's a psychological uh, oppression really uh, that's taking place in the public. Let's talk quickly because I know you um, you're interested in the the immune system and health and you have vitamins and you um, have books and stuff. Um, you also host a radio show so people can tune into that 1 p.m. Well, Central. Well, I, do. I have I have a podcast and it's at Hotsey Health Podcast. I was on the radio for 15 years every day in, in Houston, um, you know, from 2001, 2017. Currently, I do podcasts and YouTube. The reason we do that is, is very frankly, you probably know the radios have radio listening audiences dramatically declined over the years because people pick and choose what they want to listen to. They can listen to podcasts. That's why you do a podcast because it, you can go straight to your audience and get it to them. So that's what we do. I do podcasts and I do Facebook. You can find us on Hotsey Health Facebook, Hotze, H-O-T-Z-E, Health, and that would be a good one to follow. And I'm putting a ton of material about the coronavirus there. I also have a live, weekly, I have a live uh, Facebook Live, and that'll be 9 o'clock on Thursday morning. Hotze Health, just go to Hotze Health and you can see that. But most importantly, for your listening audience, Sam, and for yourself, and I'm talking to my own self, the most important thing you can do is maintain and develop and maintain a healthy immune system, and and the way and the way you you, you develop a, a healthy immune system is through healthy eating patterns and healthy eating habits, and those and that would be cutting out simple carbs, carbs, the simple carbs, the the, uh, the sugar. potatoes, rice, corn, and grain products convert very quickly to sugar. Sugar depresses the immune system, creates an inflammation, and and gets converted to fat. So it can cause a host of health problems. I'm not saying you never have a piece of bread or never have a dessert, but you dramatically decrease it. Americans, obviously, you just have to look at an audience. Americans don't eat properly. <laughs> Careful. They just don't eat. We're not eating properly. If you well, look, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I used to get sick two or three times a year, and it would lay me flat. And I would lose my voice, which was tough because I was in radio and, and this was a, this was a struggle and I had to take an inhaler and stuff to, to protect my, I would get, um, irritative bronchitis, which would just, uh, right. demolish my voice. And, um, probably six or seven years ago, uh, I ran into somebody at the tail end of one of these colds and I, you know, I said, I'm sorry, I, you know, I'm still, I still have this cold. I was blowing my nose. She said, Oh, I never get sick anymore. And and I looked at her and she said, yeah, I'd started taking probiotics and, you know, your gut is really where your immune system sort of starts. Right. And so ever since I started taking probiotics, I never get sick anymore. And I went out and bought probiotics and I almost literally haven't been sick since. I had one cold that sort of came and went and I hardly noticed it. It, it didn't well, lay me flat. That's so, an important point you make about the probiotics. And folks, probiotics are natural <laughs> healthy bacteria that reside in your colon. Right. And you can purchase these in, in most individuals over their lifetime taking courses of antibiotics, which kill good healthy bacteria. And so you get an improper balance of bacteria and yeast in the colon, and that can cause a host of health problems. You've got to have a, it's important, a healthy gut, a healthy intestine, yep. you're going to have a healthy person. If the intestine's not healthy, That's you right. think about it, all your nutrients, everything has to come through the intestines. And if your intestines are sick and unhealthy, yeah. 
got chronic inflammation, or then you're going to have problems. So All right. probiotics are important. But Dr. Hutsey, sorry, we're running out of time. So just give the website. People can go find you uh, and uh, do a little bit I more research. I going Hotze Vitamins, Hotze, H-O-T-Z-E Vitamins. You can learn why vitamin A, B, C, D, and zinc are important as well as probiotics. That's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I always enjoy chatting with you. It's uh, wonderful to be with you, Sam. All right. Take care. Hotzevitamins.com. He's great. Okay. Hold on. I have so much to, to get through today and not a lot of time. Okay. If masks work, this is a sign that's up on Twitter. Why didn't we just give masks to prisoners instead of releasing them? Just saying, by the way, another, I, I just heard about another um, attack. A guy was released from prison and within 10 hours he had attacked somebody. It's crazy. Then there's this from Dennis Prager. Never, ever, ever take liberty for granted. Liberty is not the human instinct, as I have said for decades Liberty is a value, not a yearning. People yearn to be led. People yearn to be taken care of. They do not yearn to be free. A handful of people yearn to be free. Most do not. So, uh, that's pretty, pretty, what, what do we call that? Chilling. Um, and I think it's important to sort of pay attention to messages like that and think about it. And I appreciate Dr. Hotze for, for sort of just laying it out on the line. I, I, um, I'm reluctant to be, uh, what do we say? So um, it's funny because I'm, I'm terribly opinionated, but I'm reluctantly to, I'm reluctant to publicly sort of uh, avow everything that, that he talks about. Um, but at the same time, you know, I express my skepticism with what's happening. And to that end, we're going to talk with an expert on uh, the new Pelosi bill, Speaker Pelosi's latest, quote, relief proposal. Tim Andrews is the executive director of the Taxpayers Protection Alliance. Um, and so he joins us right now. Tim, is that you? That is. Thank you very much for the opportunity to have me join yeah, you. Excellent. So... This this relief bill, quote, relief, and, and they called it the HEROES Act, yes? That's correct, yes. Which, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, you've got to be kid. I don't know. I just, maybe I'm so jaded, but calling it the HEROES Act as if, I mean, it's it's just like saying Obamacare was health care. I don't know. I just, uh, I bristle at that. But why don't you walk us through uh, the, the, the biggest issues that you see with the, um, Three billion dollar, three trillion dollars. Oh, three trillion dollar Heroes Act. Absolutely. So this three trillion dollar act will be one of the big is one of the biggest spending acts in history. This is an act that will give more money to these projects and these pet projects than we spend on defence, than we spend on social security combined. And the problem is that so much of the money in the Act isn't going to help any of the people who need it. It's not going to go and help struggling businesses and struggling families, but it's go, what it's going to do is go to personal pet projects, special interest groups that the Democrats and Pelosi likes, 
and it's not going to go to the people who need it and will cripple us, absolutely cripple us with the debt that this is going to leave for generations. By the way, you, you, you can know that it doesn't go to help the people that you think that it should help because they called it the HEROES Act. <laughs> it's like... Well, absolutely. This is, this is, you always know the sort of level of Orwellian-style policies coming out that if they want to do something that has nothing to do with what it's meant to be helping, they call it something nice, try and rush it through. And this was an 1,800-page bill that was rushed through in just a couple of days, so they hoped no one would read it, no one would look at all of the details, and no one would think about how this will lead to a total total federal debt increasing to more than $30 trillion. We are talking about total debt as a result of this bill going up to over $230,000 for every American household. Just think about that. $230,000, every household will be in debt by the end of this year if this bill is passed. This is simply things we can't afford. And you look at where the money is going to, so much of it is bailouts, things like municipalities, unions, uh, retirement funds that have been in the USPS, that have been in the red for 10 years. They've been mismanaged for years and years and years. And this is just one example. And because they've been mismanaged, we're just throwing all of this money at them now, even though it has absolutely nothing to do with the COVID-19 pandemic. All of this money and all these other things in the bill, such as same-day voter registration, like why would same-day voter registration have anything to do with COVID-19 and banning the showing of ID? So this will ban states from requiring ID to vote. Can anyone, even if you support this measure, can anyone rationally tell me that banning states from requiring ID to vote has anything to do with COVID-19? Well, no, especially, I'm sorry, especially because these are the same people that are advocating for you to get some kind of COVID-19 passport when you get your vaccine. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, but also the fact that under these bills, uh, funding and stimulus will go to illegal immigrants, which puzzles, I think, most people. Now, say but that again. Have- I mean, it's $1,200 to an illegal immigrant who is not a correct. citizen of the country because... And it was illegally, correct, yes. Right. And by the way, if they're here illegally, then they're working illegally, which means they're being paid illegally. It just doesn't make any sense that we would then give them money. No, it doesn't make any sense. But the other problem with even for Americans who are um, receiving a lot of the job payments under this and previous bills is the fact that you can be paid a lot more under the new unemployment program than you were paid in your job. But, so this means that once jobs are starting to open up, people are we're going to it's safe to go back to work. There's a huge disincentive for people to go back to work because they're getting more on welfare than they would be by working. Well, you know what that's about, right? Because what they're getting, what they're getting is equivalent to $15 an hour. So this was, this is basically a surreptitious way to, um, to raise minimum wage. And then once you've justified, right, because in this way, then they justify, well, you got to pay people $15 an hour to, to entice them to come back to work. 
And well, it's even yeah. actually, it's actually even higher than that. Under to some people in some states based on this bill, it's even higher than fifteen dollars an hour, which a lot of businesses just can't afford to pay. Right. So businesses are going to stay shut down for longer. You're not going to have the economy won't be restarting as quickly as it should be, and people are going to remain on welfare and costing the taxpayers as a result of this surreptitious way to try and increase the minimum wage. And it's completely underhanded. And there's in fact. There are some bills out there at the moment to try and fix this because no one rational would think, you know, you should get more on welfare than at work. And yet this is deliberately what these bills have been doing. And this isn't an accident, as you say. This is specific, deliberate way to try and increase the minimum wage. Right. And and that's not it because there's $500 billion that's just going to states and it's a blank check. It's just open and it's just here. Take some money. This is this is yes. worse than. Uh, this is like the parents so just can, throwing money at their kids instead of parenting. Absolutely, and the problem is, as in the same way with parenting, it creates the wrong incentives because the, who is going to be penalised by this? The states that are doing the right thing, right. that are being fiscally responsible, the states that are you know starting to gradually open their economy, they aren't spending too much on wasteful programs, they're not going to get the money because they've been doing the right thing. It's the states that are still doing unscientific policies in terms of the lockdowns. It's states that are throwing money everywhere. It's states that haven't balanced their budget for years. The states who have done the wrong thing are being rewarded. So this $500 billion to states and another $375 billion to localities. So in close, it's almost a, you know, almost a trillion dollars between the two of rewarding failure and rewarding bad policies. And so you're going to see more bad policies as a result of this if this ends up getting passed. Although fortunately, I think the Senate will block it. But yeah, this is a reward for bad behavior. So, so let me ask you this, because uh, we've got a couple minutes Tim, when they decided to shut down the economy, what was the Taxpayers Protection Alliance, TPA, what was your position on the shutdown originally? So we didn't focus specifically on the politics and the policies of the shutdown itself. Our concern was, look, the shutdown has happened. How can we best protect taxpayers and consumers to try and get the economy restarted as quickly as possible? So that was our particular focus. Okay. Um, and we, I think one of the things that we're seeing now, though, is there was a mistake in trying, and this is my personal opinion, you can't have the same policy in New York City as you have in Iowa, as you have in Texas. You have different localities, and the more local and the more flexible you have response to this, the better than a one-size-fits-all policy nationally. Right. Um, and so then we had the first sort of package to help people out. What did you guys make of that one? So there were in some of the earlier packages, there were some good things in them and there were some bad things in them. Um, as, as sort of fiscally conservative as we are, we believe that if the government forced you to shut your business down, the government does have some sort of a responsibility to pay for this and to provide support because it's like eminent domain, right? Like the government has taken your private property away from you. So there is a responsibility for some support for the businesses and the families affected. 
The problem is that all of the previous bills still had so much more in them that was unrelated to this and was just bailouts. That, like I saw one is here in DC that the Kennedy Center got something like $25 million yeah. and then they promptly the next day laid off all of their staff and their orchestras. So it's like, why are we spending money on this when the entire goal of it hasn't been achieved? I also we also think that there were you know, there were much better ways of targeting the policies, and perhaps if we had more time to scrutinise and they were better written, you would have seen better results. Fortunately, we avoided some of the worst things that Nancy Pelosi tried to cram into there, where she basically wanted the Green New Deal put in the last round right. of legislation and tried to hold businesses hostage so she could get this radical extremist agenda through. So it wasn't as bad as it could have been because we avoided those sorts of things. Right. All right. Well, I do appreciate you coming on. Where can people go for more uh, uh, information from your uh, Taxpayers Protection Alliance? Absolutely. Please visit protectingtaxpayers.org, our website, or just follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, just at Protect Taxpayers on Twitter, where we give up-to-the-minute writings and commentary on everything that's going on in terms of COVID, but, but also other things that affect taxpayers and consumers. At protects taxpayer, Protect Taxpayers on Twitter. Just one T for the Twitter, though. It's just one T in the Twitter. Protect... No, it's two. Protect Taxpayers. P-R-O-T-E-C-T-A-X-P-A-Y-A. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> it's confusing. Tim Andrews, thanks so much for coming on the program. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Yeah. All right. So moving on, I promised I would tell you about this, uh, that we're, that we're losing, we're losing our knowledge base. We're losing our intelligence base. This all feeds into our response to COVID, frankly, folks. Uh, everything begins and ends with education. Before I get into that, I just want to encourage you, if you want a good read, pick up our book, True Faith. Uh, it talks about the challenges that uh, Kevin and I have had in our marriage um, and uh, in our lives, basically, and how we overcome them and how our faith informs the way we live our lives and how our faith makes our lives better. It also goes into the making of the movie, Let There Be Light, which was pretty much a miracle. Um, life is full of miracles. And so if you, and if you, if you fail to see them in your own life, then I encourage you to read this book and maybe it'll enlighten you as to where to look for the miracles because they're there. All right. There's a new study that confirms that uh yeah confirms that i was right <laughs> it's just yes all the people deriding uh common core were correct of course we had nothing to base our assumptions on except the fact that it was never tested and you say well how would you know that it wouldn't work if they didn't test it and i my answer is because they didn't test it do you think that they would have implemented it knowing that it would work but not testing it, they knew it wouldn't work. That's why they didn't test it. You have to think, you have to get nefarious like they are. Oh, yeah, it's nefarious. It's not just haphazard. It's not, well, we really wish the kids could learn, so we're going to try to do stuff to help them learn. They don't, th they don't 
No, I'm sorry. And then, and, but then there are the people downstream who just believe what they're told. And so when they're told common core will be very good for your students, they just buy it hook, line and sinker because they're good little socialists and they, they don't go against the party line. Very eerie video that I saw. I don't have it to share with you because it's in Chinese. So I thought, well, why bother? It was subtitled. But it's basically you have to take an oath. You take an oath to the Communist Party. You take an oath. I will defend the Communist Party. I will not disagree with the Communist Party. It's kind of scary. Anyway, the study, this is off of westernjournal.com. The study was released uh, late last month by Pioneer Institute, revealed that there were huge drops in math and reading scores since Common Core was fully enacted in 2013. Man, has it been that long already? Holy smokes. This was after decades of slow growth in both categories. So decades of slow growth, now just plummeting. Breaking with decades of slow improvement, U.S. reading and math scores on the National Assessment of Educational Progress, or the NAEP, and other assessments have seen historic declines since most states implemented National Common Core English and math curriculum standards. Yes, it's a standard. It's not a curriculum, but trust me, it's all through the curriculum now. That's according to Pioneer Institute's website. It continues, while Common Core was promoted as improving the international competitive of U.S. students in math with no testing, this will help. How do you know? I don't know. I'm just guessing. Why would we expect them to test it and not guess? These are people who believe evolution is true. So they must believe that education gets better just accidentally. You don't have to be purposeful in your education. I got to work on that. That's actually a really great argument for, for homeschooling. Dang it. I, I hate when I think of things that are clever. And then, um, and then of course, I forget them later. I'm just making a note here. Forgive me. Okay. So, continuing. While Common Core was promoted as improving the international competitive of U.S. students in math, with no basis, they had no basis to make that claim. They had absolutely no basis to make that claim. Our international standing has remained low, while the skills of average and lower-performing American students have dropped in reading. Only 10% of 8th grade American students now score at an advanced level in math. That's according to an international study. And by the way... Advanced according to who? That's the sad thing. You know, it used to be eighth grade, you were ready to go to Harvard. Ah, that's not true anymore. So advanced according to who? While we're technically in the middle of countries worldwide, we're in the middle. We're not leading. We're actually... uh Closer to the end of the scale, like Turkey's got 6%, United Arab Emirates has 5%, 
than to the top. Of course, Singapore scores at 54% of eighth grade Amer- uh, of eighth grade students advanced in math. South Korea is at 43%. We're also being beaten by Kazakhstan and Hungary, in case you were wondering. Common Core was supposed, they, they sold it to us, well, not that we bought it, not that I bought it. They sold it as this uh, fix-all. We're going to be competitive in the world. But average scores have generally declined and remain at a level that is statistically Statistically significantly lower than before Common Core. That's according to this study. So before Common Core, fourth and eighth grade math scores for the NAEP were rising gradually every year. After Common Core, they both have fallen. Eighth grade's actually fallen at nearly the same rate as it was previously increasing. Do you know why? Because it builds on itself. It gets worse as you get older. The education, because it's, it's basic, Common Core is basically anti-education. It seriously pains me to say that. It is. It's anti-education. They do not want your child to learn. I'm sorry. Get this. This is where it gets really sinister. The declines are most acute for the lowest achieving students, which increases inequality, which is why socialism Increases inequality. Scores for students at the 90th percentile, they've mostly continued their pre-common core trend of gradual improvement. So, so here's, I mean, this just floors me. If you're smart, and, and by smart, actually, I shouldn't say smart. If you are clever enough to understand, to, to, uh, Morph with the system. If you are a system child, if, if it works for you, if the education system works for you, okay? And, and so that's not a matter of smart or stupid because there are very intelligent children who cannot get along in that education system. They cannot be taught that way. There are children who are too smart to be taught that way. And then they become disruptive, and then they are outcast because they can't get along within the system, okay? So I'm not saying, so, okay, so if you, if you can get along within the system and you have intelligence, then you'll thrive regardless, the system works for you. You've got the smarts to figure out the crap that they're throwing at you. Maybe, and you have a drive to learn, and they haven't destroyed your curiosity. You're going to keep going. 90th percentile, you're, you're good to go. You'll be fine. That's why, you know, I talk to some parents. They're like, no, my kid's doing just great and, and making straight A's and blah, blah, blah. And they're fine. But... <laughs> 
the farther behind students were, the more substantial their declines. The biggest drops occurred for those at the 25th and the 10th percentiles, those at the lowest of the scale. Common Core is meant to bring everybody further, faster, and what it does is the kids who are performing well, they continue to perform well, that's good, and the kids who can't perform as well, they get left behind farther and farther behind. It literally does exactly the opposite of what they said it would do. So frustrating. I mean, I remember sitting on the plane with a gal who ran a tutoring facility. She thought Common Core was great. She ran a tutoring facility. So she thought Common Core would maybe fix things. I don't know. Did she think it was going to put her out of business because her tutoring facility was... Or maybe she thought, oh, it's good because they'll damage the children more and then my business will go up. I'm not sure. Maybe. I don't think she... She didn't strike me as that cynical. That's that's me. I'm the cynic here. Uh, she thought that it would be good for kids. And I asked her why, and she said, because because then all the kids, you know, it will, will make the, the slower kids, it'll bring them up to speed faster because they're, they're making it more accessible. Common Core makes learning more accessible. And so, and, and the point is that everybody will be basically at the same level. So an eighth grader in Texas, if they happen to move to Virginia, then when the eighth grader transfers, everything will be the same and so there won't be any kind of loss of, you know, from the move. It'll all be the same. And that was a good thing to her. And I said, okay, but what if it's the same but dumber, not smarter? What if the level isn't the higher level that you and your whimsy are imagining? But nobody thought to question that. The people who signed up for Common Core, their assumption was it's going to be great. Reminds me of a story, guy dies, and he goes to the pearly gates, and and St. Peter says, listen, we have a special thing going on today. We're offering people the choice. Do you want heaven or do you want hell? And the guy says, really? I I just have the choice? And St. Peter says, yeah, would would you like to preview? And the guy says, well, sure. So St. Peter walks him through heaven a little bit, and he sees people lying on clouds, eating grapes, and harps playing. And it's, I mean, it's lovely. It's serene and beautiful and lovely. And then St. Peter takes him down the elevator, and he walks through hell, and hell's like the best party ever. They're playing beer pong, and they're swimming, and they're just having a great time, and it's just fantastic. And so... They go back to the pearly gates, and St. Peter says, uh, okay, so what did you decide? And the guy says, well, I guess. I mean, this is kind of weird to say because heaven was really, really nice and nothing against the establishment you have here. You've done a great job. But, I mean, hell just seemed like a lot more fun. And St. Peter says, well, it shall be done. And so the guy got back on the elevator, went down to hell, and everybody's being tortured and 
whipped in chains and they're burning eternally with the flames and everything. And the devil comes by and he says, wow, what, what happened here? And the devil says, oh, yeah, what you saw was the pilot episode. In other words, of course they sell you the preview is the greatest thing ever. But you didn't read the fine print, you idiot. And to me, the fine print was simply they never tested it before they implemented it. All right. Well, on that note, that's my show for today. Thank you so much for listening to the Sam Sorbo Show on Mojo Five O, and also wherever you pick up your podcasts. 